are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Friday edition of the show. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode is brought to you by Locked On ACC. There's simply no better place to get all of your ACC conference news than the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. Be sure to follow the Locked On ACC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. The final episode of the week. It's been a great debut week. Thank, we're very thankful for all the interactions and downloads we've gotten on streaming services and social media. A lot on the docket to talk about. We're going to kind of flip the script a little bit and turn away from football until next week and focus a little bit solely on basketball. We're going to dive into what are my expectations for the um, each individual transfers for this season, and then we'll you know, flip that into the second segment and going into what are my expectations for the individual recruits. And then in the final segment, we'll talk about expectations and what level Coach Mack has to reach this season for it to be successful for the Cardinals. Um, for those who aren't aware of who I am, like I said, my name is Dalton Pence. I am a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a recruiting analyst and a feature writer. I am formerly a part of Fansider's Big Red Louie in the state of Louisville, and I also do some backup PA announcing work for various university Louisville sports like uh, soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, baseball, etc. You can follow me on Twitter at Deepence underscore, and you can follow the Twitter podcast page at LO underscore Louisville. So let's dive right on in. A huge exodus this year. Uh, the roster is definitely um, incorporating a lot of new faces, a ton of transfer flavor with the one-time transfer rule. Noah Locke out of Florida, um, Jared West out of Marshall, Matt Cross out of Miami, and that's only the transfers. Um, there, there's a ton of, uh, of uh, more guys that are being introduced to this roster for the first time this season, but I want to kind of dive into what are my expectations for each of the three transfers. And we'll start out with the first guy that committed in Matt Cross. Matt Cross kind of committed right really before the season was over, or it might have been right after the season, but either way, the point still stands. Um, lit up Louisville last year. I think he scored about 16 points when the Cards lost to Miami down in Coral Gables. Um, six seven forward really reminds me a ton of like a Luke Hancock in the sense of just being a dead eye shooter, and I think he's going to be what people thought Quinn Slezinski was going to be. Um, definitely would not surprise me if Cross is the best shooter on the team next season. Um, all reports out of you know off season workouts and stuff like that is that he's actually extremely you know, solid in creating his own shot, catching off, you know, catching and shooting off the dribble, which is is very nice to have a versatile shooter that can, you know, get his shot going in multiple different ways. Next season for Cross, I think um, he's going to, you know, fall victim a little bit to just how balanced the rotation is. And I think a lot of guys are going to kind of um, fall by the wayside in terms of, um, you know, having to sacrifice some personal statistical averages. But I do think that Cross is going to get time like a Ryan McMahon to where you're going to find time to put him in. And then obviously situationals are going to be uh, big for Cross. Personally, I think, you know, you know, last year for for the for the Hurricanes showed a lot of poise before he decided to transfer. Um, but I think that we're going to see 
a lot of more of the same from Cross in terms of t- statistics. Um, average seven and basically four for the uh, Hurricanes last year. Um, shot 40% from deep, made 20 out of 50 from behind the arc. Um, and, you know, it, it was made a point of emphasis from last year's team that Chris Mack needed to add shooters. This was the first piece of that puzzle. I think um, he'll fit into that Quinn Zelensky role really well. Um, and, I, I mean, personally, I think that, you know, Cross is going to get Ryan McMahon minutes. I'm not so sure that he's going to be a double-digit scorer off, off, you know, right off the rip, considering that I'm not so sure that he's going to start. Actually, I'm almost positive that he's not going to start, especially to start the season. But... I do see Cross fitting into that 7-4 and four range, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just kind of a testament to how balanced the Louisville rotation is. I could definitely see Matt Cross being one of the top shooters in the ACC like Ryan McMahon was, and I think that that's the trajectory that we kind of have to see. Although Cross is 6-7, you know, having a guy like you know, Ryan McMahon on the team was you know, so valuable just because when you needed that big-time shot, you know, McMahon provided it, and I think that you know you're going to get a lot of the same progression and production out of Cross. You know, moving on to Jared West, uh, Marshall grad transfer. Uh, you know, I got to be honest, there were a lot of people that were kind of like, eh, "Is he is he really a Power Five level player?" You know, personally, I think you know I think so, just considering the fact that if you were just to take if you were just to take the offense out of the equation, Jared West is the all-time steals leader at. Uh, Marshall, he made multiple uh, Conference USA all-defensive teams. I think, you know, just the fact of having him as a lockdown defender, you know, kind of like a Quan four, is very valuable for the team. But not only that, I think that he's going to be a player that's going to surprise some people on the scoring, you know, side of the aspect as well. Um, I, You know, it, it's weird because the two guys that – he remind me of we're on the same team at the same time. Um, Quan Four and Kristen Cunningham. I think that he reminds me of Cunningham in the sense that you know he's not flashy in terms of being a point guard, but you know very very strong and high basketball IQ. Um, and, and another thing that we keep I'm going to keep hammering home is just the fact that he you know he shot 40% from deep last season. So you know being able to add, add a guy who can hit that deep ball, but not only that, but play extremely good defense and um, you know give you that veteran leadership. Um, I think it, it is very valuable. Um, over you know 1,200 career points. So it, it you know over the four years at Marshall. So it's not necessarily like he has trouble scoring. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a 15 points per game score in the ACC. But would it surprise me to see him in, in double figures? No, I think he's going to be a good you know um, secondary, maybe even tertiary option. You know in in the Cardinal rotation. But it's good because you know the, there's. Obviously, places that you're going to be able to get scoring. Um, one of those places in, is in the next guy we're talking about, Florida transfer Noah Locke. This is the guy that most people are excited about, um, and the kind of the more high-profile guys that more people are aware of. Um, Noah Locke is a um, in his career at Florida, average double digits in scoring, six-three guard out of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, actually, averaged ten point six last season, and um, you know. Ranked ninth in Florida history with 217 career triples, um, 49 career double doubles, um, or I'm sorry, not double doubles, but double digit scoring, you know, efforts. So it's um, it's going to be a good addition. I think that both West and Locke are going to start. Um, 
I think that Locke definitely has the potential to be the top scorer for this Louisville team. Um, I think the top Louisville score is going to be in that 15 to 16 points per game area. I'm not so sure that it's going to be more than that just because I, you know, I feel like I'm a broken record. But, you know, we're going to keep continuing to, you know, you know, hit home this narrative that it is a balanced rotation. So you don't need a number one overall score. Um but I think that he's been working, you know, from the people that I've been talking with, he's been working extremely hard in the offseason at being a better, you know, finisher at the rim and being able to um, facilitate. So I think we're going to see more of him handling the ball this season. And um, I, I think he's going to be a guy that Louisville relies on to be, you know, a sharpshooter as well in, in sort of like a Carly Jones role, being able to knock down the deep ball. You know, or not, you know, not necessarily the deep ball, but just knock down shots at crunch time. There's going to be a very increased um, – you know, role for a lock this season. Um, and, you know, Mason Faulkner, the Western Carolina guy, is not necessarily announced yet, but, you know, like I mentioned on Wednesday, he's a guy that looks to be added to the rotation as well. A grad transfer there who averaged over 15 points per game the past two seasons with Western Carolina. Um, a good deep ball shooter, a good defender, kind of reminds me of a, of a Jared West only in his six foot one frame. So um, being able to add all this veteran leadership, I think that all three of these guys are going to be playing, you know, all three, four of these guys are going to be playing big roles. Um, and then that's not even to mention the, you know, the recruits that are coming in as well. But before we get into those, I want to talk to you a little bit about Built Bar. I've talked about it on previous episodes, but let me tell you that Built Bar is the place to go. Did you know how many delicious flavors that they have? You know, coconut, some of my favorites, salted caramel, cookies and cream. They're even, you know, introducing some other new flavors. They're raspberry, cherry barcia, double chocolate, strawberry, orange, German chocolate. The list goes on. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can even get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. That's, you know, that's putting health, you know, putting flavor aside, not even to mention the health benefits. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. There's amazing flavors. They're all tasty and they're all healthy as well. You can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like because Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Now, that's pretty neat to me. If you want to go to Built.com and use the promo code Locked On. 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order be sure to use the promo code locked on 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am super excited for that partnership with Built Bar, just like I am super excited about the freshmen coming in this season. Um, there are four of them. Um, there were three with L. Ellis, Roosevelt Wheeler, um, Mike James. Now there is Sidney Curry. Um, Ellis and Curry are both JUCO guys, but for this exercise, I'm including them in the recruiting category of this and not necessarily the transfers. 
I think if you talk to Louisville fans about who they're most excited about in terms of the incoming guys, L. Ellis is going to be number one or number two with most of the guys that you talk about. I think he he definitely has a chance to be in the category for you know ACC most you know newcomer of the year, most improved player. That's saying a lot with all of the talent coming into the conference. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that when I truly watch LLS play, I see a ton of Russ Smith in the sense that there's there's an underrated ability to lead an offense and facilitate. But when it comes to scoring, he's a, he's as advanced as there is on the roster at this time. Um, outside of No Lock, L. Ellis is a is a guy that I could see having a Chris Jones role in, in the in the way that um, you know come in right away being the kind of alpha in terms of scoring or maybe even like a one A one B. But I, I understand that there is a ton of you know, worry and concern with JUCO guys going you know from JUCO to Power Five and how they're going to translate. I think L. Ellis is going to be one of the exceptions. The number one JUCO player in the country this season. There's a ton of talent there, and when the opportunity comes, you know I, I know L personally. I know you know where his head's at, and I'm I'm extremely excited for him. I think he's going to. I don't think he'll start right away, but at, by the end of the season, I think he's going to be playing a majority of minutes in the backcourt. So, you know, and another guy, you know, like I mentioned, the other JUCO guy, Sidney Curry. There's not a ton of opportunity in the front court with Malik Williams, Jalen Withers, JJ Trainer, Roosevelt Wheeler, but um, you know, there's been news that Malik's foot injury still been a little, a little bit of a of a nagging occurrence. Regardless if that's true or not, I always felt like Louisville needed a guy that can come in and bang down low. Sidney Curry is that guy, six foot eight, two sixty. Gives me Shane Bahannon vibes in just the way that um, he's able to control you know, the boards, being able to uh, be very active with a high motor on both the offensive and the defensive glass. Um, not a guy that is, is going to be relied upon to step out and hit the jumper. He's, he's really going to kind of play near the rim on both ends of the court. But I think, you know, you can't underestimate the value of having a player who fits, you know, with the body um, in the frame uh, going against, you know, big-time bruisers, whether it be in the conference or out, and then having that valuable depth just because there's so many uncertainties still looming. I mean, COVID is still a real possibility. And you, like I said, if Malik goes down, the cards could definitely be in a world of trouble. So um, being able to add that depth it w- was a huge addition for, uh, you know, Coach Mack and company. Another guy that I think – um, may not see a ton of time this year because of that depth in the front court as Roosevelt Wheeler uh, was coming off of a season-ending Achilles injury, uh, and you know going into his senior season. But it, you know by all accounts, it, it does seem like um, he you know he's getting healthy. 6'10", 240-pound freshman from Richmond, Virginia. Um, it's been a while since Lobos kind of gotten a, a big-time caliber. Um, center, you know, recruit. Um, I, I know that um, you know Steve Enoch was a good transfer, but I, you know, he kind of gives me Steve Enoch vibes, being able to step out and hit the deep ball. I think that you know he's extremely athletic for his size, average sixteen and twelve and four block shots as a junior for John Marshall High School. Um, I think that when it comes to you know his ability to affect the floor. I, I think he's going to be in the Louisville rotation for sure. It really just kind of depends on where Chris Mack sees J.J. Trainer's role. Is he a backup four? Is he a backup five? I think it's probably going to be a little bit of both. But um, I think Rose is, is a player, you know, ranked in the top 50 or top 100, really kind of depending on the um, recruiting service that you use. 
But um, I, I do believe that Rose is going to see a role this season. I think, you know, in the maybe in a lesser Montrez Harrell role in 2013 where you saw him give you some high energy spots and some, and some good flashes of, of solid production, but I'm not so sure that he's going to be given the subsa- substantial you know game clock as you know, Harrell was given. But like I said, if Malik goes down or even you know Malik not playing all, all that much, you're going to have to rely on guys like Rose and you know Gabe Widsnitzer and Sidney Curry and Jalen Withers. I think that being able to have a guy like Wheeler in the front court where you don't have to slide Jalen Withers out of his natural position at the four, I think that Wheeler is going to have to be ready just because there's so many uncertainties with that front court. I think that they're, you know the talent is there. It's just a matter of um, getting caught up to speed. Um, and that's one thing that kind of Aiden Nagayon could never, you know, truly figure out was, you know, you know how to catch up to that ACC speed and, you know, be able to get involved in the game. But I think Wheeler is going to be able to um, get in with his ability to, you know, play solid defense and also be athletic around the rim. So the last guy on the list is Mike James. I'm very excited for Mike. I know when we talk about um, global rotations or the rotations that I've seen across social media, Mike James gets left out a bit, and I have to caution global fans to stop doing that. Um, Mike is probably going to be one of the one of the, if not the most under the radar guys on this team. Um, sh- really showed his ability to score last year for Oak Ridge, um, but not a lot of people obviously got to see it with um, with COVID and stuff like that. Um, I am a very very uh, big believer in his game, um, especially on the defensive end. I think he possesses Dang Adele type defensive you know potential. A little smaller than Dang, um, but um, in terms of you know having a ton of size with his frame, you know that tenacity, that mental toughness, um, and just plays with a with with the spirit that you know just doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, those intangibles don't show up on the stat sheet, but I definitely look for those. Um, offensively was where I was kind of worried about him just because I thought it was going to take a little while for the offensive skill set to produce and manifest. But, you know, from what I'm hearing from, you know, people within the program, from what I saw from film last season, you know, Mike has definitely improved his jumper, especially from behind the arc. But he's also, you know, he was already, you know, using his athletic ability to get to the rim and finish around the rim. But apparently with him adding, you know, all of this stuff to his toolbox, I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to force Coach Mack to play him. And that, that's kind of where my questions lie are, are how do you get, you know, minutes for all of these guys? I think that Mike James is going to, um, you know, be situational, be a situational player that's going to be put into games and, and really – you know, force you know Coach Mac, Coach Mac to play him just because of the the solid level of play that he I think he's going to reach. There are a lot of high expectations for this team moving forward into this season. I think Coach Mac knows that. But before we get into what we need to expect from this team, I want to here's a couple words from our sponsors. Like I mentioned, there is a ton of possibility for this squad. I think that the ceiling is is fairly high, um, but we need to talk about what the expectations are for the Cardinals in year four of Coach Mack. Um, I, I think that this is a very crucial year. Like I said, year one, um, played in one tournament game, lost to Minnesota. Year two, COVID strikes, and it sucks because Louisville was going to be a top, likely a top four seed 
with the possibility of going, you know, um, on a little run in, into the postseason. Last season, they missed the tournament completely. Um, you can make the argument all you want about COVID and stuff like that, but I'm not here to talk about any of that. I'm here to talk about the expectations moving into year four. Obviously, like I mentioned with Coach Satterfield on, um, I'm pretty sure it was Monday or Tuesday, is that the Cardinals have to make you know, a bowl game in football, just like they have to make the postseason in basketball, like they have to make the tournament. That is the, you know, the, the the floor. Like they can't miss the tournament again. You know, when it comes to you know, find you know, getting a successful season, that that just can't happen. Um, in terms of how far they should get, obviously you had to take things with a little, you know, little grain of salt when it comes to the postseason, just because there's so many, you know, variables and uncertainties. And, um, you know, the best teams don't always win, yada, yada, yada. You know, everyone knows the whole nine yards and, and stuff surrounding, you know, March Madness. There's, there's a reason why they call it March Madness. But I think when you look at it before the season, with this roster they have and the depth that they're projecting to have, um, bringing in four, you know, very solid transfers and four solid recruits, they've completely overhauled the roster, you know, Coach Mack, you know, credit to him. You know, he saw that there was things that were needed to be done going into this season after losing so much from David Johnson and Carly Jones. He added the perimeter shooting. He had he added the interior toughness. He added the help in the backcourt. This is one of the, you know, I would probably say it's going to be probably one of the deepest Louisville teams in the past, you know, six, seven seasons. Um, but definitely um, the, the deepest team in Coach Mack's tenure by far. Um, when it comes to where the Cardinals need to finish for it to be a successful season, before we get to the postseason, I think we need to talk about the regular season. I think that the Cardinals have to finish top five um, with the talent they have, and I understand it might seem a little radical, but with, with the squad that they have and how it's getting talked up, I think anything less than a top five finish year in, year out is, is a disappointment. And I think the Cardinals definitely have you know the opportunity to do that this season. You know, Duke is bringing in a whole new squad. Um, Carolina uh, somewhat is as well. Virginia loses a decent amount. Uh, Florida State um, is recycling and uh, reloading for this season. Um, outside of those three, I don't think that um, you know the Cardinals should be. I'm sorry. Outside of those four, I don't think the Cardinals should be you know below anyone else. And really, I think that they should be you know in the mix of those four anyway. So I think a top five finish is definitely. Um, it is not out of the realm of reason and realistic expectations. So I, I think that a top five finish has to happen. But out, outside of that, um, when it comes to the tournament, I think that this is a team with an Elite Eight ceiling. Um, I'm very, very hesitant to you know call any team a team with a Final Four ceiling. You have to be one of the top five teams in America, in my opinion, for that you know tag. And that's no really true knock on Louisville. I just don't think that they're a top five team in the country. I think that they have elite eight potential. Am I saying that there's no way they can get to the Final Four? Of course not. I mean, of course they can. Any team can get to the Final Four with a, with a strong you know set of performances in March. But what I'm saying is I think that this is a team that very well should get to the second weekend of the tournament. And I think if they get to the second weekend of the tournament, that's going to be a successful season, at least in my eyes. I know that... Um, as we've seen, you truly can't please this Louisville fan base, you know, you know, all, all across the board, just because there's so many polarizing 
and uh, different opinions and feelings about where Louisville should be. Um, I, you know, personally, I think Louisville's in a little bit of a crossroads. I think that, um, you know, in one hand, you know, you can't truly use the um, the NCAA cloud over your head as an excuse for poor play on the court. But, you know, on the other hand, I think that uh, it definitely, you know, negatively hurts recruiting. But I think that Coach Mack is, is doing a solid job of being able to navigate that. But, um, you know, this is this is you know, a year to where, you know, you're in year four. You got a little leeway. I know that COVID hit year two, year three, a lot of things happened. There are no excuses this season, you know, looking at in a nutshell. I think that this is a Louisville team that has to make the tournament. And if you probably ask Coach Mack, he'd probably tell you that as well. I think that um, actions are speaking louder than words, and the fact that he's completely vamped up and overhauled this roster shows that um, it's pretty clear that he knows that there is a ton of urgency heading into this season and that um, 21-22 has to be a good year for Louisville and try to build some positive momentum, you know, heading into 2022-2023. And, um, you know, not only that, it it has to be said that, um, you know, there's – the whole land of recruiting is definitely different now uh, with the NIL and stuff like that. So um, who knows really what happens to the NCAA. Louisville is still waiting their fate um, with the whole scandal and stuff like that, which is complete BS, the fact that they've waited four and a half plus years and just kept them in limbo. Um, but that that's a conversation for a different day. We're talking about the expectations. The expectations are that Louisville needs to finish top five in the ACC. They need to go to the second weekend of the tournament. Um, anything after a Sweet 16 appearance, I think, is justified. Now, however, you know this can be said in the in the preseason when we're months away from the season. However, when you know, like I mentioned with last year's team, expectations can and they should change as the season progresses because you get a better team of how this you get a I should say you get a better feel of how this team is playing especially with all of the newcomers this is something that Louisville fans are not used to being a you know a complete overhaul and turnover of the roster so I think that sure I mean verbatim you know making the tournament has to be the expectation regardless of what happens in the season the only thing that truly I believe could change are, you know, where I feel, you know, the cards should end up at the end of the season. However, a sweet 16, you know, you know, I guess a measuring stick, you could call it, you know, being able to measure the success of the season by looking up as if they get to the sweet 16. It's kind of hard to raise that bar unless you truly think that this is a team with final four potential that is yet to be seen. But like I mentioned with last year's team, you know, before the season, it was okay. We just need to make the tournament and then, um, you know, go at it that way. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, in January, this is a team that needs to go to the second weekend of the tournament. So I was very disappointed when, you know, the team kind of stumbled at the very end of the season. However, there were some other factors regardless. Well, you know, it's conversation for a rainy day, but like I said, expectations change, but they are not going to change drastically. Um, and you know, if they change to the point where, you know, the only goal is to make the tournament, then something's wrong. Like I said, this is a roster where there are no excuses. Um, there's been a lot of hype built up from the media and, um, you know, from the team itself that this, this is going to be a quality squad. So, you know, there, there can't be a, a pivot, a 180 pivot from this, you know, this is the year for the Cardinals to do something in the postseason under Mac. Um, and I think that, um, you know, 
by the time March rolls around, we're going to be talking about just how far they're going to go. I, I can't, you know, really see Louisville missing the tournament again. But um, stranger things have happened. Uh, but I do think that um, a top five finish in the ACC and a Sweet 16, you know, at least going to the Sweet 16 should be the expectation for the Cardinals, not to mention year in, year out. So I wanted to talk a little bit about basketball today. We we t- we touched on individual expectations for not only the transfers coming in, but also for the cr- recruits. And then also we kind of dove into what um, the expectations were for the Louisville Cardinals under year four of Coach Mack. Uh, Monday, you know, I- I'll go ahead and tell you this upcoming week is going to be a lot of football. We'll get into more get into some more position breakdowns. Be sure to send in your questions for Mailbag Monday coming up here in a couple days. Um, you can interact with me on Twitter at defense underscore. The Locked on Louisville Twitter podcast page is LO underscore Louisville. Um, if you haven't done this already, we definitely ask for you to subscribe or follow the show on all your streaming services. Um, before we get out of here today, I do want to talk to you about a good opportunity to get knowledgeable. Um, sports betting has never been bigger than it is now. Betting on the Cardinals does not have to be a lock, has not had to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. You can follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you decide to get your podcasts. So that's going to wrap it up this Friday edition of Locked on Louisville. Be sure to check out the Locked on ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper just to get your understanding and knowledge of the conference as a whole. Also hear about the Cardinals in, a, in more of a non-biased light. Um, great stuff going on on the Locked on ACC podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you on Monday. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.